I really do consider it an honor to have the opportunity to uh, preach before this assembly. Both our pastors I consider to be great men in the word, and to just have the opportunity to be able to be here and share a bit what the Lord put on my heart is a, is a double blessing to me. We're going to be in the, the book of Genesis this afternoon. Let's turn over to chapter 2. The impetus for this message came as I was doing a devotion for uh, personal study by uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and in that study he referenced uh, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And since I like to always keep some kind of study going on, uh, you know, on the burner, I began to study out about the tree of life. <coughs> I titled the message, uh, The Tree of Life and the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil, or the tale of two trees. I thought that was kind of catchy, you know, so. But as I got studying it out, I found out that the, uh, the study in the tree of life was, uh, was more intensive than I could ever probably, I couldn't bring b both messages together. And so <coughs> after I studied out on the tree of life, I started in on the tree of knowledge of good and evil, fully uh, expecting to preach on the tree of life last Sunday, but uh, the Lord didn't let me do that. As I got to study more about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the Lord said, that's what you need to be preaching tonight, son. And so that's what we're going to look at this afternoon. Genesis chapter 2, the one thing about this study in uh, the, the tree of life, of course we know there's the reference to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, there's a tree of life in heaven, there may be, there's reference, some references, it might even be able to be one during the time of the, uh, the, the millennium. In Jerusalem, there also references uh, four uh, uses of the tree of life in figurative language, gives some contrasts and teaching, uh, comparing what the tree of life with with wisdom and soul winning and so on. But with the tree of knowledge of good and evil, there's just really two references, direct references to it. And so <coughs> there is only a little bit there expressed but there is a lot in there that is implied in what this tree is and what it has done and what it means to us today. <coughs> Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, <coughs> it says, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we pick up the commentary in, in the 15th verse. The Bible says there, And the Lord God, that's Jehovah Elohim, he took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, without restriction whatsoever. But, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. <coughs> Let's go to the Lord again, then we'll continue. <coughs> Father God, I pray you just uh, calm this old soul. Lord, uh, you mean so much to me. What you did for me, Lord, that I could uh, escape the condemnation of death and hell. I'm truly humbled to have this opportunity this afternoon to fulfill what you put on my heart, God. Lord, uh, that we 
be that are in this finite realm today can understand that uh, that seed of knowledge and good and evil is uh, flourishing in this world today, and we should be aware of it. Um, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. There are some uh, questions that need to be considered going into this study. One of the first things I ask myself is, why did God create this tree in the first place? And, you know, what was its purpose? And why did God create us in the first place? Knowledge is simply learning, it's illumination of mind, it's information. And, and here it is, defined by the Bible, by God. The information that's out there is neither good or evil. Don't let people think and talk you into believing that there are gray areas. We're going to look at this a little bit closer, I hope, in one of the, one of the further points. <clears throat> but we have to learn to be able to filter things and make decisions in the light of this book and this book only. Because <coughs> God is the, only, is the one that, that ultimately is the one that's the author of all truth. And uh, if we want to know the truth, we want to live for the truth, if we want to know good, need to go to the author of, of this book, because the Bible, we're going to look at and see that God is, he is all good. Um, good, again, it's described as, can be moral actions, conformity to moral law or divine precepts, this book. Ultimately, um, this is the final source. This is the final authority. Man's law, where it reflects this book, 100% with it. But where it does not, you need to walk away and leave it alone. The Bible says there in um, Psalm 34, it says, depart from evil and do good. Evil and good. It says to depart from evil and do good. Two actions. Two actions that are a result of choice. We're going to look at this a little bit closer in a little bit. When God created Adam and Eve and thus our, our, our uh, natural character, he gave us the ability to make choices. Um, and when we look at these, look at this in verses similar to this, God says this is a commandment. He says depart from evil and do good. And this is we're looking at, we want to look at things the way God looks at it, okay? The only way that you can ever know that you make a right decision in life is if it's in 100% accord what this book says. You leave off all the philosophy books, the, the libraries are choked with how-to books. The only book that's worth anything is the ultimate how-to book is this book. It's how to know who you are and who God is and how to be saved. And so when you're confronted with this about evil and good, we come and we're confronted with something of a moral dilemma, as I said. How do we choose really what is good? How do we really choose and know what is evil? Um, people we meet might say, well, you know, the, you might say, well, the Bible says, you know, thou shalt not kill, but they kill, the people out in the world kill babies all the time. We say it's okay. The Bible says, you know, to, 
uh, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, be filled with the Holy Spirit, because wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever deceives thereby is not wise, yet, uh, and we hold to that, but there's a lot of people out there in the world say, well, drinking is legal, marijuana is legal, what's wrong with it? It's not evil, we don't look at it that way, well, that's the difference between Christians and believers and Baptists and people living out in the world. They have a different perspective. They have a different leader. They have a different set of doctrines and isms that they hold to as being finite and good for them. But ultimately, we're going to see and know that most of the matters of the world are centered in evil things. <laughs> Knowledge of good and evil. There are some things that are not worth knowing. Adam and Eve found this out the hard way. You and I, and especially you youth, that may be starting to get to the point where you're starting to dip your foot into the world a little bit to sound out and see what it feels like, you better beware. Because God sees <coughs> any compromise from God and his word is evil because it's not of him. It's of the prince of the power of the air, Satan. Evil, there's natural evils and moral evils. You could look at natural evils as being like uh, <coughs> earthquakes, uh, storms, hurricanes, um, warfare, for instance. Those could be looked at as natural evils. They occur. Those kind of evils are the things that disrupt peace and happiness and well-being of, of us. But moral evil is any derivation uh, from, of us. It's a, the dictionary term here, the commentary term used was moral agent. That's us. That's us. <clears throat> Anytime we go past God's rules of conduct that are defined by him, that are dictated us, moral rectitude, which is conformity to the truth. What it is, send so many to the fires of hell, unconfessed sin. <coughs> Evil is also described as depravity, corruption of heart, or the disposition to commit wickedness, malignity, which is extreme enmity. The Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Enmity speaks about warfare, conflict. <clears throat> when you're out there, the lost person out in the world is fighting against God, whether he realizes it or not. He's against God. Even if the person says, I'm neutral, I don't care, you're against God. You're either on his team, you're in his family or not. You're either saved and headed to heaven, or you're walking around in the world sampling the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you're headed to hell. That's one of the things that, that about this mail out now, that we're doing. There's a lot of people, those people, most of those people, those 300 and some odd people, 
They're going to get that information. Most of them are lost and are going to hell, but they don't know it. They've never been confronted with their sinfulness. They've never been confronted with the truth that the wage of the sin is death. They've never been confronted with their own, with their own natural spiritual nature, and they've never heard the gospel of Christ. It's, it, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's why that packet that's going out, it's got, it's got the John Romans in there. It's got all those things that are pointing to God, pointing to their need. Get them away from that filthy secular counseling that keeps people. It's just like the, <coughs> the rockabye babies to sleep. When the ball breaks, the cradle will fall and down will come baby cradle and all. You ever think on that, what that implies? What mother would ever put her child up in the top of a tree? That poor little baby up there is up in that tree, up in the sunlight, rocking back and forth, peaceful and comfortable, going along. And then one day, a little bit of a windstorm comes, that ball breaks, the baby comes down, and it's the, it's the fall of sin of that baby. What am I saying? That's the way the, world, the people in the world are being rockabye baby to sleep. You're good to go. You know, I'll find your own way in this life. As Pastor was, was talking about, you know, there's, there's myriads of people that are just making choices to go with the flow. The Bible says that straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to heaven, but broad is the gate and wide is the gate that leads to hell. And that's where most people are on, on knowing their spiritual position before God. It's our job to inform them. Okay, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 3, this is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all, Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live, and after that they die, and they go to the dead. God chose, in his book, he chose every one of those words for us to know and to, and to believe on. When he used, and that's why we cling to the, the King James Version of the Bible, because it is the, it's a formal translation of, of the Masoretic and the Hebrew text, uh, and the Greek text that, that contain 100% the Word of God. We don't want what some translator thinks. We want what some translator put in there to, to translate, to carry over, so we can know the very words of God, and we have that. And when it says there, this is an evil among all things, that's us, that's all is an all-inclusive term. It never means anything other than all. That puts it all under that same umbrella. Make no mistake, though, God did not create evil when he created Adam and Eve in this world. He created a sinful, perfect world. He gave Adam and Eve the opportunity to, to make the choice about hearing and believing him or not. <clears throat> Evil came in the world, certainly, through Father Adam. We know that verse very, very well from Romans chapter 5, verse 21. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. There's that all-inclusive term again, for that all have sinned. 
Paul hammered that, that truth home in, in that book of Romans in chapter 3. <coughs> There's none that doeth good and sinneth not. And he wants people to know and understand their spiritual position before him that they can make a reaction to it. Years ago, I was down on uh, Prince of Wales. Uh, no, yeah, I was down on Admiralty Island deer hunting. First time I'd been out there. I'd only been in the, the country a couple weeks. Guy took me out, went up <coughs> deer hunting. He said, "I'll go this way. You go that way." I followed this little creek up the up into the meadows and up and up and up and up and up, and up into the mountains. And you know, I pretty much knew where I was. It started getting dark, and I started coming back down. And I followed the little creek down, and. Uh, you know, looking for the little cove where the boat was, little fishing boat. I get out there and look, and there's no boat there. Seriously? Now what? So I'm running around. I go one way, look the other way. Finally, <laughs> get my wits about me. Fire the rifle a couple times, and and uh, it was it was a you know it was a f not far away, quarter mile away, half a mile away, not even that. And I found it, and I, you know, took my little skiff and got off the boat, and I tell about the dumb stuff that I did. But here's the key. This is like most people in the world. I was lost that whole day, and I didn't know it. When I followed that little stream down the hill, it was the wrong one. It didn't lead me to nothing but, you know, an end that was empty. That's the way the world's people are. They're following a false belief system that's going to lead them to hell. And they don't know it. But here it is. When I understood that I was lost, okay, when I would admit that I was lost, okay. Uh, the, 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 you know, I would, well, like, it's kind of like the three words that, that are the hardest for men to say. I don't know. Well, I had to admit that I was lost. For a woodsman, you know, supposedly a woodsman. That's kind of a kind of a deal, but I watch where I go now more a lot than I did then. So, God is not the author of sin; He is the author of all that is good. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness of turning. We can count on God uh, for who He is and His essential nature to take care of His children. <coughs> God is a God of love. We know that for certain, because in 1 John 4, 8, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. God is a God of holiness. 1 Peter chapter 1, 15 and 16, says, But as he which hath called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And God is good. He is, his goodness is as eternal and as infinite as his very being, as all his characteristics. Romans 2, 4, <coughs> We heard this verse this morning. It says, Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It's God's goodness that he reaches out. Here's the thing. 24-7-365, God has concern for every soul in this existence. To every soul, he gives a little bit of light, a little bit of spiritual understanding through his revelation, through creation, through our conscience, and then through, you know, through that you can come and, and come to an awareness that there is something greater than us, that there is a God, but the way of salvation only comes through special revelation, through hearing and reading 
cleaving to and understanding and believing on the dictates of God's word. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. That's a, that's a, a wonderful promise. And the promises that God gives, he has the power and ability to keep. Uh, God's love and holiness and goodness, they're not some part-time, uh, some-of-the-time attribute, but they are as himself, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That said, it's important to recognize that God created, again, God created man as he did the angels, okay, with as free moral agents. That meaning they had the freedom to make choices. And we know <coughs> that Lucifer, uh, the morning star, became Satan, the adversary, when he chose to rebel against God and he sought to usurp God's throne. Now we know, don't know exactly when that occurred, but we do know that when at, by the time that the <coughs> Satan appeared to Eve, sometimes after the the, uh, the, the first week of creation, there has been a revolt in heaven against God. Um, there wasn't a war up there. Don't get that idea. The Bible intimates that, that when, when, when God chose to, he cast Satan and one-third of the angels to the, to the earth. Some of them are consigned to the fires of hell already, some of the most powerful ones, I believe, the Bible intimates. And he allowed Satan to rule in this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. He has a dominion. He has a domain. That's his place out there. You got it? That's where he rules and reigns. That's where he sets up his traps and where he's, he seeks to seduce and compromise people into believing false truths about who they are, who he is, life after death. And he's good at what he does. He has never failed to get any individual that has lived, is living, or ever will live to sin against God in thought or word or deed. We're sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. We can't get out from under that fact. That's why God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be our pardon, to be the forgiveness of our sins, for without it, we have no hope whatsoever. <clears throat> well, let's cut to the chase here. We'll look at Isaiah chapter 14. You don't have to go there. I'll keep rolling. When I get preaching, it's kind of like water going downhill. You'll know when I get, when I get to the bottom, then I'm done. Isaiah 14, verse 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, Now note all the personal pronouns and the I wills. I will ascend upon, into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Okay, that's what he was shooting for. This is what happened to him. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Um, Satan's not there now, but that's going to be his final resting of hell. He's going to be held in hell for a thousand years, and he's going to be cast into the lake of fire, where he's going to rule and reign there all that he wants, in utter darkness and utter 
suffering and torment. So God created us to relate to him. He created us to engage in productive work. He created us to be morally responsible to him. We heard the royal law uh, uh, read this morning. That thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and all thy strength. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we know, for by grace are you saved through faith, and so on. Ephesians 2, 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that God hath before ordained, ordained, and ordination means a separation to a particular position or standing, uh, ordained unto good works. <coughs> also, it says in Leviticus chapter 22, verse 31, God said, Therefore ye shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. Period. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Period. Why the emphasis? Well, I, you know, I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of it too, I get in God's word and it says, da, 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 da. get through it, read it. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like skipping a, a rock across the, the pond, you know. You ever do that? Get that nice flat rock. So what I'm saying is that that rock is just bouncing along. And sometimes we're, we, we're like that in his word, too. We bounce along through verses, uh, chapters, and we don't really get really all what's there. I think, you know, the, the Hebrew... God, when he was writing to the, the, the Hebrew writers, and Pastor Humphrey's used this numbers of times. I think Pastor Humphrey, too. I've probably used it in the jail numbers of times. Can't remember. That's one thing you get, get like me. You can't remember what you did. So, you know, if I do something, if I follow up, I won't remember it tomorrow, you know. <laughs> what was I saying? Well, anyway, so <laughs> God wants us to know him. And when he, when he's, when he puts, when they put a period to something, it's like that, that word sila in the Hebrew. Sometimes I think we should put that at the end of every verse that we read. So like here in, in, uh, in John 14, verse 15, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Sila, think about it. Think about it. Meditate on that. That might, not, that might be all you need to read for one whole day. And then think on that. And carry that with you through the day. And that's enough. That may be enough. If God says go more, do more. But you know, sometimes we need to meditate or to ruminate on God's word. <coughs> to chew on it. To get everything out of it. That's what the, that's what the, the word rumen, ruminate comes from. The rumen in, a, in dairy cattle especially. They have three, or three stomachs or something. They chew their, their food up, and then they, the, the cud comes back up, and they chew it again. It's not gross. That's the way they get everything they can out of the food. Well, that's what we need to be doing, too, with God's word. Take it in. Get everything we can out of it, because it's for our benefit. It's for our benefit to take in, to know it, understand it, that we can apply it, as Pastor was just speaking of. So it seems God in love created mankind to have fellowship with him. He also required man to love him as he loves them or he loves us. But true love isn't love unless the possibility to choose to not love exists. 
And that's what we see acted out in the Garden of Eden. Now, one observation about this tree, the tree of knowledge of good, of e good of, tree of knowledge of good and evil, <coughs> that tree wasn't evil in itself. That fruit in itself wasn't evil. It was just simply another part of God's creation. But the evil was when Adam and Eve took of it and made the choice to not believe God, what he said, and to believe the lies of Satan. How could that be? How could that be? These two people that were created of God, that walked with God, that heard his words, and the very words right from God's mouth, and they still made the choice to disobey. Well, no wonder. It's the same reason as what we do. Because their flesh they had the opportunity to, to choose to not, to not listen to Satan <coughs> and to continue with God. But in their flesh and in their heart, they made the choice to not, uh, to not follow God's will. So let's pick up over, if you have your Bible, let's turn over a couple pages. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, start looking at verse 1. We're going to look at nine verses a little bit here, back and forth. It says there, now the serpent, that's Satan, was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Subtle means that he was crafty, he was sly, he was seductive. A seduction is when somebody works to gain the confidence of someone that they can make merchandise and use of them. That's what he, Satan had an agenda for Adam and Eve. It was to get them to compromise themselves before God. So in that, he, <coughs> he set some bait out there, just like the fisherman. You can't catch the fish unless you get the bait out there. Right, Silas? Where is he? There he is. Where's that fisherman over there? You ever catch uh, you ever catch any fish without without some bait without a hook? It's impossible to catch to catch them without a hook. I know that for sure. But we're going to see what Satan did. He first baited him when he got her to got Adam and Eve to take the bait. Then he set the hook and he had him, just like brother brother Lambert. Fish on, fish on. You ever hear that? <laughs> yeah. Fish on. Well, that's brother Lambert. So, and he, okay, he says, and he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of the tree of knowledge, uh, uh, the tree of the garden. I, sh I wasn't going to do this, but it says there, he said unto the woman. Now, we're going to read here further that, that, Adam and, that Adam and Eve were there together. Why did he come to the woman? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Women, as a creation, they are, they are they're different than men. Thank God for that. If we didn't have mothers, where would we be? But women are emotional beings. Um, if Satan didn't know the best one of the couple to, uh, Satan just simply knew the best one to attack 
coming for that production, for that, uh, that uh, to try to get them to disobey God. Um, not saying anything bad against women. I'd have more to say against Adam because the Bible says that Adam was right there and he didn't do anything. He was responsible. Adam could have protected his wife. That's what he should have done. It's man's responsibility to protect their wife. Body, soul, and spirit. That's your job. It's a wonderful job to have, man. He says, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said, I want you to note the things now. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And this is in a, and it says, in, And then when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's like from out of 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, for all that is the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. That's the thing out there in the world. That's Satan's place. So it says there, the woman saw that it was good for food, lust of the, uh, lust of the flesh, and that was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of, as, uh, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and desire to make one wise. That's the pride of life. He came to her, you know, one, two, three. Three, you know, three hits, okay? Three hits. He appealed to every part of her essential nature. If you do, you're going to find up yourself bound up in foolish pride as they did. They thought they knew better than God. And look what happens to them. We'll find out. So, the Bible says in verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. But when they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the end result was... I'll just get ahead of here a little bit. They were going to reap for what they sown. In verse 17 and 19, when God had, after he came to them and settled some matters, he said unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of the wife, thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all, thy days, <coughs> all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. They shall eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou returnest unto the ground, for out, of, for out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And so <coughs> they would reap for what they had sown. And the principle is that when you, when you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap for the flesh. And that's just exactly what they did. And that's why we go through the things that we do in this life. I don't blame Adam and Eve. If I would have been there, it would have been Jim Gersh that committed that. 
question because we're all made of the same stuff. And so <clears throat> Satan attacked Adam and Eve again in the same way that he causes people to question God and his word and to rebel against him and not obey him. Make no mistake, the serpent was Satan in animal form. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 2, it says, And he laid hold upon the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Um, this one had come a long way from being the prince, uh, from being the morning star to being the anointed cherub that covereth. Uh, in his heart, he made the choice to rebel against God. And he reaped for it, and he'll reap forever in the lake of fire. But for now, he's working hard and well to draw all that he can to keep him in his family. You see, there's only two natural families. Natural? Well, there's only two families. Natural, spiritual. You can't, we're, we're in, this, in, this, in this natural world, we're all born, in, born into this world lost sinners. That's why Jesus said, unless you be born again, you cannot know the kingdom of heaven. There has to take place a spiritual change in us that we can be made right with God. And so, you know what happened? That uh, he qu Satan questioned God's word. You know, it's like he was saying, did God really say that? You know, he left out some things. He caused Eve then to add to God's word. Remember, said she said, uh, you shall not touch it. God never said that. And he left out that they would surely die, which God had said that they surely would. Now I want you to know and understand something too. This is not like this was just something that was thrown down before him. God walked away, and you know, they're just kind of going around, man, I wonder what God really meant, you know, dying, uh, you know, sin, uh, death, I don't know. No, he, 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 they, came to know and understand through his teaching what death was. That death is a separation of the soul, soul and spirit from the physical self, and that an individual could be separated in the spiritual self when they sin against God, they would no longer have a family relationship with God. At that time, when they were created, they did. That's why I say there's only ultimately two families in this world, God's family and Satan's family. You're born naturally into the the, the physical family that you were born in this world. The Bible says, unless you be born again, you cannot know the kingdom of heaven. It has to take place a spiritual change in you and me to have that gift eternal life. And we know that Satan's word had effect in Eve's reply. It both, she both added to and subtracted from God's word. And what Satan does and what he likes to do is he causes confusion. It's kind of like you've heard the term in military um, military uses sometimes shock and awe. Sometimes the <coughs> in the military, you know, I spent two years, a little bit over two years in Vietnam. You see stuff. Well, they sometimes what they do, they try to bring so much firepower against the enemy, you mobilize him. You get him cringing in the foxhole, and then you can come up on him and take him out, and it works both ways. <coughs> Tell you what. That's what he was doing with, with Eve. He caused confusion, and then he seduced her into believing a lie. He baited 
curve, and then he set the hook. Starts calling God a liar. He says, you shall not surely die. You shall be as gods, meaning you'll be just like him. Remember, that was Satan's original sin. I will be like the Most High. And what, and what this, is the, this is the great sin. Satan said, the Bible says there in, the, in Isaiah, for thou hast said in thine heart. Okay? This is what Adam and Eve does. And this is, this is the way you and I are. Don't say you're not like that, because you are. We say in our hearts, we make the choice, we make a decision of how we're going to react to any, any given situation in life. Some are trivial, some are very, very, are, are life-threatening, especially a matter of our spiritual nature. And the Bible says, for instance, that the wage of sin is death. You better not laugh that off. Death is the separation from the body, the separation from the soul, from God, and the eternal separation of God in the lake of fire. For those that choose, make the choice, that say in their heart, I'm going to go my own way. That's what Adam and Eve did. How did it work out for them? God cast them from the Garden of Eden. They could never come back into either of the tree of, of life. But they could live eternally in their sinful nature. It was this element of foolish pride that caused Satan to rebel against God. And that same foolish pride today sends countless numbers of people to hell because they choose to believe the lies of the devil and it'll end up ruining their lives. Again, as the result of the rebellion, it said in Genesis chapter 3, they were going to reap for what they had sown. The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. And then it says, And the vo they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So now, instead of receiving some kind of blessing from God through just keeping on, keeping on, and doing what they knew to do, they now both knew guilt, they both knew shame, and they both knew separation from God and the sentence of death that God had promised them. He told them that you're going to surely die. And they understood what that meant. Why do you think they went and hid? Huh? God's coming. He's going to, he's going to kill us. He's going to send us to hell. The Bible, the hell wasn't created for men. It was, it was created for the devil and his angels. Matthew chapter 24, verse 31. That's why they went and hid. Yeah, they felt. And why did they cover themselves up? Because they felt shame for what they had done. The guilt weighed upon them. And it verily should have. Because they'd, they'd violated the one law that God had given them. Have you ever considered the conversation that the first couple had as they, as they uh, took of that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Can you imagine what that was like? The Bible says that they saw that fruit, that it was good for food, that it was pleasant to look at, and it was something that they desired to have as a possession. 
cook that fruit, and when they bit into it, it may have been sweet at the first taste, but then it turned bitter and awful, and I have a mind myself that in my mind's eye that they spit that out because they didn't want it in their mouth. They didn't want it in there. But it was too late. It was too late. They'd made that choice in their heart to rebel against God, to say no to him and to say yes to Satan. And now they would reap. In that moment in time, they, they had only known good. Now they knew good and evil. And they knew what they had done was evil in turning away from God and believing <coughs> the lies of the devil. They made those coverings for themselves. When God came to them, he, here's the thing. God is so wonderful. He comes to them. You know, he's talking to them. He said, what are you doing out here, you know, basically? And, he, you know, said, didn't I tell you not to do that? He wanted them to repent. He wanted them to own up, to confess their sin, what they had done. So what did they do? Eve said, well, uh, the, the, the serpent deceived me which was true. And Adam, the macho man, Adam, he said, well, uh, the woman gave me of the fruit to eat. The woman that you gave me, God. Oh, boy. There are all kinds of reasons why we sin, but there's no excuse. There's no excuse for the one violation one violation of God's law. That was one. That was it. Do you understand? That was the only time that they sinned. They were held accountable. God holds us accountable for each and every sin that we do. There has to be a payment in blood for our sin. Either we pay it ourselves in the sense of being eternally separated from God, or we accept the shed blood sacrifice of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as they were chased from the Garden of Eden by the angel, they were forced to leave the garden. How do you suppose they felt? They were, God gave them, we're going to look here in a little bit, God did give them a way possible that they could be, their sin could be atoned for. But they knew anguish for their future generations because they knew that their progeny, each and every one of them, was going to be born with this new nature. Don't you think there were tears of regret and remorse for what they had done? Well, certainly, but that doesn't change anything. They could never get back what they had lost. Once a, a word, a thought, or a deed is committed, it becomes history. It doesn't go away. So that, that, that sin that we do, even though it might happen today, tomorrow, Years in the, in the past, God's going to hold each and every one accountable for it. And God himself paid for every one of those sins for those that are willing to repent and trust in his sacrifice. Don't you think of what they, the knowledge of what they had done followed them every day of their life? They lived over 900 years. Adam did anyway. How do you think they felt when their son Cain killed his brother Abel? They were responsible for that. Well, 
you who would are or are contemplating sampling of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're playing a dangerous game. Don't get the idea that we're talking about a physical tree. We're talking about, the Bible says, all that is in the world, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, it's not of God the Father, but it's of the world. It's of Satan. And, you know, you can't, you can't naturally perceive that, but, but stand back and, you know, uh, we look at what's going on in the world. Uh, our government's corrupt. The world is becoming more increasingly involved in, in chaos and, and sinful actions. Uh, the, the license, the regulation of sinful activity is being taken away so that people can sin with impunity. They think. But in the end, every individual that does not confess their sin will be held accountable for it before God. And again, go out in the don't go out in the world, young man, young lady, lost person, and think that you can eat of that flesh, that, that the ways of the world, the way they act, the way they dress, the things that they do, they may seem sweet for a while, but in the end they will become bitter. Because you certainly will those that reap to the flesh, uh, sow to the flesh will reap to the flesh. Nothing ever is going to good from playing out, uh, playing the hand that the world has to offer. It was solely by the grace of God that Adam and Eve escaped the fires of hell and eternal darkness. In Genesis 3.15, Jesus came to them in, in, the, in the Garden of Eden. He said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, speaking of, of uh, Satan and the woman, and between thy seed the progeny of Satan, his descendants, those his family, and her seed, speaking of the, the, the Messiah that would be born, the Savior, it says that it shall bruise thy head, meaning it's going to put to death sin and death and Satan. But it says, and, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Satan is going to have his time uh, with, with, with Christ. Jesus died, uh, not at the hands of Satan, but at his own will. He went to that cross willingly and made the payment for our sin that we could know uh, the forgiveness and a, and a chance to be a part of his forever family. The fact that when Jesus came to them, it said on verse 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and he clothed them. He, he showed them that there had to be death and the shedding of blood to make the remission, the payment for sin. And then he covered their, their, their bodies with, with, the, with the skins of those innocent lambs, very, very likely. Picturing and the, the fact that they believed God's promise to deliver them from their sin, that they believed on his promise to be their savior, that they put those coats of skin on. They could have walked away, I suppose. Would have been foolish. Because you see, God's mercy was so great. He said that they would surely die. You remember that? He righteously, when they bit in that fruit, when they made the, remember, it wasn't, the, it wasn't eating the fruit. It was the choice to rebel against God. He could have, zoop, he could have sent them right to hell, reserved for the, for the devil and his angels. He could, have, he could have righteously done that. 
But in his mercy, he gave them an opportunity to repent, and we know that they did. Adam and Eve tried to cover their, shame, uh, their works with sh of shame and their guilt with the works of their hands. That'll never work. If you're trying to work your way to heaven, if you've got something good in you that's going to get yourself to heaven, you're totally wrong. Only sincere repentance and faith and believing the gospel of Christ can the lost sinner be saved from the wrath of God. As I said, you know, that, that tree figuratively is alive and well and it's flourishing in this world. If anything, it's becoming more and more dominant and it's drawing more and more people to it. But again, that tree of life is still in this world too. We have that message of life through the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be able to share that with the world's people. We need to make sure that everybody hears it. We need to make sure that those within these walls, even this moment in time, that haven't been to the cross, would make the choice to believe on Christ as their Savior while there's time. Nobody knows for sure that we have tomorrow. We like to believe so, but read the obituary sometimes. There are teenagers going to hell, dying every day. Most of them probably going to hell because they don't know Christ. No person need go to hell if they're willing to bend the knee and trust in Christ as their Savior. So I'm going to ask Pastor Demlo to come. I really feel like that I'm going to ask him to, to have an altar call, a little bit of a, um, an invitation. But think on yourself. Uh, be honest with yourself. If you cannot look at a time in your life when you made the choice to believe on Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to do that. Um, the, just as the, the, the physical birth, everybody, know, everybody in here know when they were born, the date that they were born? That's a physical reality. You can't change that. We're all on that timeline we're on the timeline to eternity, to one of two destinations, heaven, if we know Christ as our Savior, or hell, if we're not. <coughs> I was born March 4th, 1948. I was born in the family of God, August 26th, 1982. It's a real-time thing. You can't look at the time when you made the choice to believe on Jesus Christ. You need to do that. Pastor? Pastor?